Grandma's got to work here. Suppose you had been given a secret, a secret that would change the world, a secret given to you by God. Would you rush out to meet and shout it to everybody you saw? Would you, would you wonder why God had chosen you? Why would God give this secret to me? I would like to consider Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, the son of God, and the secret given to him by God through the angel of our Lord. This is not what you think. You'll think I'm crazy, but the Holy Spirit of the almighty God made this baby and entrusted him to Mary and myself. An angel told me so. An angel told us that God would give our son the throne of David and his kingdom will never end. His name will be Jesus, Savior of all people. I would think that I was crazy, but my wife-to-be heard the same thing. I would be paralyzed with fear, but I'm just too overjoyed thinking about the goodness of our wonderful God. Why me? Why not one of the rich, comfortable men who could give him what he deserves? Almighty God is about to do the thing he has promised and save his people. The whole world will come to know his glory and see his kingdom. And who has he told? With whom has he started? Us, an insignificant couple from an insignificant village in Nazareth. And to Mary's cousin Elizabeth, a woman far beyond childbearing years. Does he even love the donkeys under their burdens and the dogs on the rubbish heaps? I think maybe he does. Mary is a good woman, but we are small people. Our son will see poverty, hardship, and suffering. God is turning the world upside down. His kingdom is coming. This child my wife carries is God at the very bottom of creation. Do I dare to dream that he will make the world right, that he will break sinful hearts and cause the mighty to kneel? Mary will sing her song to God. Will you hear it? My soul magnifies the Lord, she will sing, and my spirit rejoices at God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The promise of a baby. I love, uh, I love looking at Joseph's side of this. Mary gets all the press, right? She gets, she gets all the press. Even all, everything's about the virgin birth, and so it's all about Mary. And so I love looking at Joseph's side of this. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18 this morning. And we've seen this promise of a baby before, haven't we? He promises first to Abraham that he will have an heir that will bless the world. Fulfilled in Jesus. We see the promise. Uh, uh, we know Moses' birth narrative and how he was born at a time when, when everything was being killed. All of the babies were being killed. And so they hide him, 
literally in the palace of the guy who, was, who ordered all of the babies killed. God takes him and puts him in the palace, hides him in plain sight in Pharaoh's house. And then we, we, we've looked at Isaac, we've looked at, 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 uh, at Moses, and, and, and now we have John the Baptist who is, who is told, or, or his, his father who is a priest, is told he's going to have a, a baby at a time in their lives when it was impossible, just like Abraham and Sarah and just like the virgin birth, these were impossible births, impossible, and yet they're promised and they're fulfilled. So let's read Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, will, you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So first, let's consider Nazareth. It's, I think it's kind of important to consider this story, Joseph's story, from, from the viewpoint of Nazareth. Nazareth is, was at that time had about 200 people. It's an isolated little place on top of a mountain range. You can see it here. It's on top of the Nazareth mountains. And so it's, this, it's in a little bowl, and it's this isolated little place of 200 people. Today, that's about 60,000 people live there, and it's, and it's, uh, it's actually about 70% Muslim today. But at this time, 200 folks. Now, what does that mean? That means everybody knew everybody, and it meant everybody knew everybody's business, right? Everybody knew everybody's business. So Joseph and Mary are engaged to be married, and, and they're, they're engaged, and, and this is a big deal. Engagement in the, uh, in, in, or betrothal, as it's also called, in, in this time, in this culture, is a big deal. It lasts about a year. Now, during this time, they're considered married because that they're, they're betrothed to each other. They're engaged, and so they're considered married. Now, they don't yet live together. The, the, the wife, the bride, lives with her parents, the, the, the groom with his. So they're not living together, but they are considered as if they are married. In fact, Deuteronomy 22 gives us all of the laws and rules regarding this, and it says that if, if, uh, if she becomes pregnant, if she sleeps with somebody else, or he sleeps with somebody else during this betrothal period, then it's adultery because it's, they're considered married. 
And so what can be done, what, what's laid out in Deuteronomy 22, is Mary becoming pregnant while they're engaged and Joseph knowing it's not his, she would be stoned to death in the public square. And, and think again about Nazareth, 200 people. Joseph, everybody knows Mary's pregnant. It's 200 people. Everybody knows that they're engaged. Everybody knows that, that Mary is pregnant. But it says that, that Joseph is a righteous man. Now, a righteous man in this day followed the law. What did the law say Mary, had to happen to Mary? He publicly accuses her in the, in the court, and she is stoned to death for adultery. That's how it worked. That's what it says a, a righteous man is. But, but Joseph, he redefines what a righteous man is. He redefines it for all of Nazareth. He redefines it for us. Because what Joseph does is before the angel comes and says, this is from the Holy Spirit, before that ever happens, Joseph decides he's just going to divorce her secretly. He's not going to have her killed. He's not going to have her publicly stoned. He's giving up his pride. He's giving up his reputation. He's giving up his rights under the law to show mercy and to show grace before he knows that, that this child is of the Holy Spirit. He knows she's pregnant and just decides, I'm going to show the character of God. I'm going to show grace. I'm going to show mercy, even before he's told this story that Kevin alluded to, this story about it being from the Holy Spirit. Joseph's a righteous man because he gives up all of his rights, all of his pride, all of his reputation in town to save Mary before he even knows that this is a miraculous birth. So we see the character of God in Joseph before, we ever, before it ever starts, before even the announcement of the birth of this, this child, we see the character of God in Joseph. So can't, what, what do we learn from Joseph? Could we show the character of God? I call it erring on the side of grace. We know what the law is. We know, we can know that, there are, that, that what someone's doing is against Scripture, but do we need to enforce our rights under Scripture, or do we need to err on the side of grace? Joseph decided to err on the side of grace. Joseph decided to show mercy, to show grace. Joseph decided that this was, gonna, was how to show the character of God. So then Joseph has a dream. And, and, the, and, and in this dream, the messenger says not to divorce her, because Mary's carrying the child that's from the Holy Spirit. I want, you to, I want you to think about that term, Holy Spirit, because if you search your Old Testament, you will not find it. Joseph, being a righteous man, knew who the Spirit of God was. But he did not know 
who the Holy Spirit was. That's a New Testament title. That's a New Testament thing. It's, it's a Christian thing to call it the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph is told by this, this angel, this child is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's told, okay, don't divorce her because this child is from somebody he's never heard of. Uh, somehow God is working in this in a way he's never worked before because Joseph doesn't even know what the Holy Spirit is by that title anyway. He doesn't know what that means. And so he's told this story. And, as, and, and again, as Kevin alluded to, does this sound like a crazy story or what? Your wife is still a virgin, but she's pregnant because the Holy Spirit, something I've never heard of before, has, has given her a baby. But what does Joseph do? He believes God. This is all the, the most astounding story in Joseph's eyes. And he's giving up all of his rights for, for what he should. He should justify himself, shouldn't he? And just have Mary publicly accused and stoned. But instead, he just believes God. He just believes God for the outcome. The angel comes, tells him, and he simply believes God. I think, uh, I think it can be said that we all know in our lives God works in, in unexpected ways. Has God ever worked in an unexpected way in your life? Can we just react like Joseph and believe God? Maybe in, in the times that we're in right now with, with political turmoil and with the illness, the, the virus, and with things closing and opening, and you don't know uh, city to city or state to state what's open, what's closed. You don't know. We, we live in such a time of anxiety and worry and, and such a time of, of uncertainty. Can we just be certain that God has the outcome? I think we can. I think we can look at Joseph. We can remember Joseph's uh, reaction here. Err on the side of mercy and grace. Show the character of God and just just trust God with the outcome. We still talk about the miracle of the virgin birth today. It's, you, you realize it's a critical theological point. Jesus has to be born without the, the sin nature that we've talked about in the last two or three weeks. We talked, especially last week, that we are born with a nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. Jesus had to be born without that. But he had to be born human to save the human family. That's the Goel Redeemer or family redeemer. So he has to be human, but completely sinless. He has to be born without the nature that causes us to sin. He has to be born fully man and yet fully God. So only the virgin birth works. It's the only logical thing that works. If we could call, and, and yes, I just put that together in a sentence, virgin birth and logical. <laughs> but this impossible virgin birth is the only way it works. The only way we are saved. This baby brings us salvation. 
So, again, Mary gets all the press, and we don't think too much about Joseph's part of the Christmas story, do we? But Joseph lived it. Joseph lived the Christmas story. He, he, he was told this, this story that is just incredible, that his virgin wife would have a child from, from some part of God that he's never heard of before, and he simply believes God. He simply trusts God with the outcome. Joseph was indeed a righteous man because he showed the character of God even before he knew he was. We see that what this baby's going to be. We see who Jesus is going to be in, in Joseph because this baby becomes our Savior. And our Savior has every right to stand on the law and condemn us. Every right. Is there anybody here who has never sinned? No hands. Our Savior has every right to condemn every one of us and have us publicly executed. And he doesn't. He errs on the side of grace. He comes and brings mercy and grace and then takes the punishment for us. That's who this baby is. This baby saves us. This isn't the birth of mercy and grace. We actually see mercy and grace in Joseph, his earthly father. So Jesus isn't the birth of mercy and grace. It is simply the continuation of the grace and mercy of God that gets us the baby Jesus. This is, this is the Christmas story. The Christmas story is about promises kept. The, 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 if there's any, uh, any time in history that I can think of that we need to be focusing on the promises that have been kept, it's this year. We have so much uncertainty in our world. We have so much anxiety and worry. We have so much that we are uh, afraid of. So much that we just don't know how this is all going to come out. So we can look back and see the promises of God. God promised Abraham an heir that would bless the world, and, he, and it came true. It was fulfilled. God promised Moses that there would be a, another deliverer, someone who would deliver the new people of God to the new promised land, fulfilled in Jesus. God promised Joseph and Mary, a baby that would change the world, fulfilled in that first Christmas. The baby Jesus. God came, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me to think that God came in the form of a helpless baby. To, to earthly parents, to Mary, who's probably a 14-year-old girl, and to Joseph, a carpenter. But because Joseph believed God, because Joseph decided to trust God for the outcome, Joseph gets to be the guy who teaches the Savior of the world how to dress himself and how to eat 
and feed himself and how to walk. Because God came to us in the most humble fashion possible. An infant, a baby, born to a virgin. The Christmas story is about promises kept. Promises fulfilled. Will you bend the knee to the king that's born on Christmas Day? Will you bend the knee? Will you let go of your pride? Let go of your rights? Let go of, of, of what, what you think ought to happen and give it to God and simply trust him for the outcome? That's what Christmas calls us to do. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and just consider the question. Am I going to stand on what I think ought to happen? Or am I going to just trust God? Am I willing to err on the side of grace? Do you need to take a step of faith toward Jesus today? You can. It's a simple prayer. Just pray along with me. First, we acknowledge that we have sin in our lives. God, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that this baby, Jesus, was born to save me. And that his finished work on the cross is everything I need. If you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Is this baby born in you this season? Father, we thank you for the story of Joseph. We thank you that we see your grace and your mercy in Joseph even before the birth of, of Jesus. And then we see your grace and mercy in Jesus coming in the most humble way possible. We thank you for this season that we celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.